Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, where we take your questions from Sunday's teachings in order to form a dialogue about the scriptures and what God is teaching each and every one of us. Well, welcome back to the Beyond the Sermon podcast, everyone. Here today is Sunday, November 14th, and this Sunday we are in Acts chapter 9, looking at verses 32 through 43. And in this passage, we have Two, two healing miracles. The first is, both are done by Peter, and the, the first is the healing of a man named Aeneas, and Aeneas was paralyzed for eight years. Uh, Peter comes to his hometown of Lydda and, and heals him in the name of Jesus. And then, and then uh, not too far off is another town named Joppa, and they hear of, of Peter's presence and the healing that happened, and they send for Peter because uh, Tabitha, a well-loved and well-known Christian woman who was full of grace and full of compassion and full of good works um, and, and just loved everyone around her so well, she had passed. And, and they called Peter, and he came, and he, he, he raised Tabitha uh, back to life. And so uh, this morning as we were looking at this passage, the, the core truth we, we said or we saw was that belief is the right response when we see God at work. So when we see God intervening in our lives, it is to prompt us and to motivate us to increased levels of belief in Him. And so this morning, we're, we're going to be talking about that here on the on the podcast. And uh, joining me today is Andy Rohrbach, our Director of Children's Ministry. So Andy, uh, for, those of the, you, the, for those of us that don't know you very well yet, because you just started here this summer, although you've been uh, long-time Ames resident and faithful in our children's and serving in children's student ministry for many, many years um, and running our puppet ministry. But so, Andy, what do you do? What does your week look like as the director of children's ministry? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little different every week, obviously, but um, there's a, we think about the gospel a lot and, and teaching that to kids. Uh, yeah. Every week we've got a Bible lesson we're going to teach them, and there's a Bible story or, or a principle. But... Uh, it's kind of getting behind those stories, and and where is the gospel in this? Uh, how does, how is, how is Jesus better than whatever we're choosing not to do, mm. or how does Jesus make us able to choose this good thing? Yeah, uh, and so that's that's been we spend a lot of time with that, and then uh, obviously there's there's all the practicals that go with that building, you know. Uh, putting the materials together to have activities and games with kids. Yeah, uh, recruiting and scheduling volunteers. Uh, developing special programs like we did family dedication this morning, yeah. so getting that together. Uh, and uh, and then, you know, there's a little time in there for um, just kind of where are we going? Uh, mm-hmm. What are we doing with, with children's ministry? And, and what do we want? Where, where do we want to point kids and families? Yeah. And yeah. that's a big one for me because being brand new here, I don't have a whole lot of training in that. So I get, yeah. to, I get to learn that part. That's awesome. I love I love as you answer that question. I mean, there's all the nuts and bolts that go on during the week. Like you said, there's there's lesson prep and the creatives that you need to make. And you really struggle with that because you have no creative bones in your body. <laughs> well, as long as a puppet is involved, I can usually handle it, but they're not involved nearly <laughs> enough. Now, I say that tongue in cheek. If, if you don't know Andy, he is one of the most uh, creative guys that I know and just and just creates phenomenal thriving environments for kids to see Jesus clearly. But I love that when you answer that question, what do you do? You The first response is we think about the gospel. Because really, if we don't get the gospel right, there's no point of what else we're doing. Mm-hmm. Right? If Jesus cannot change us, if he cannot heal us, if, he can't, if we can't see him as our best friend, as we like to tell kids that Jesus is your best friend, um, then, then what are we doing? 
you know. And so I love I love our church ministry department as you guys uh, make the gospel the central thing and the most important thing about about all this other stuff. A- and you still create really highly engaging and and creative environments for kids to see Jesus clearly. So love it. You guys are doing awesome work. Thank you. Um, so as we as we one of the things we talk about this morning again is that that we as a modern audience often we dismiss the presence of God or we don't look for the presence of God in the everyday things. We, we tend to be very man-centered. It's age of reason, scientific method, philosophical enlightenment. Uh, it shapes our worldview uh, highly, right? We're products of that kind of thinking. Whereas in the ancient context in antiquity, they were so God-centered mm-hmm. that they saw God it, it involved in everything. Now, there are some natural, you know, potholes and pitfalls that come with that. Yes. So it's not... It's not this this idealistic thing that we need to get back to necessarily, um, but I think I think the sharpening for us as moderns and modern Christians is to go, well, how are we looking for God? Yeah. Where do we see Him at work in our everyday lives? And so, Andy, as, as you and I were talking ahead of the podcast, just have you had a situation or a moment in your life where where you saw God work mm-hmm. in something that was kind of normal mm-hmm. or mundane or insignificant, and it and it changed or or um, as, as we saw in Psalm 40 this morning, we, we responded with praise, right? Yeah. We went, man, God really does love me, yes. you know, because of that. So sh- would you just share with us a, a situation or a time? Yeah. Um, the story that, that, that I can't let go of when it comes to, to God showing up is uh, I spent three years in, in South Korea teaching English. That's where I yep. met my wife, Susan. Um, we got engaged there. We decided we were going to come back to America to, to start our life together, and it was time to look for a job. Yeah. And I had worked for newspapers for about six years as a graphic designer, and I loved that. And I had left a job that I loved in Colorado Springs. And uh, the plan was just like, okay, we're going to go back to Colorado Springs and pick up, pick up where I left off. And, yeah. uh, and so that was our plan, and it didn't work out. I actually applied for a job there, and I had some friends there who said, you know what? You don't want to come back here. Things are really bad. And mm. I didn't get the job. So we were kind of like, oh, well, what do we do now? And Susan is from Anamosa, Iowa. I am from Andover, Kansas. Okay. And so bounded by those two brackets, we started looking, I started looking for, okay, what in the world can I do for a living in that area? Yeah. I went on this website called journalismjobs.com and found a job at the Ames Tribune <laughs> where the editor was Alexander Hain, who I'd worked with when I worked in Omaha at the newspaper. Okay. So I had a connection and they had somebody who had, ju- who had, they had hired for this job and had bailed on them like the day before they're supposed to come oh, no. or something like that. Yeah. They're like, we had somebody hired and they left. So we need somebody uh, somebody we know and, and I know you. And so yeah. I did the interview via Skype before everybody was doing that. And, uh, you're a forerunner. I know, right. I'm a trendsetter <laughs> and I got the job and I can't, it was like, okay, well, Ames is kind of close to animals. It's kind of close to Andover. It'll do. Yeah. And it's a newspaper job. And, and at the time to me, I'm like, well, I'm pretty good at newspapers. You yeah. know, Ames is pretty lucky to have me. Uh. I worked in Omaha. I worked in Colorado Springs. I've worked, you know, I, yeah. I've got all this, this Ames, whatever. I'll go take care of Ames. And I didn't realize then, until now, you know, 10 years later, that God was providing not only a job and a paycheck, yeah. but a whole life yeah. that was going to come out of that, you know, closing one door and opening another supernaturally. Yeah. And yeah, so I can look back on everything that's happened since we came to Ames and go, that is absolutely God yeah. making that work. Yeah. Man, that's such a neat story, and I think I think we we might look at something like a job and go, well, that's a we're trusting God with a big thing, mm-hmm. and that is a big thing, but in your perspective, it was just a sort of mundane thing, mm-hmm. and, and 
and really you were the gift. <laughs> it was it was feeling to me at the time my perspective was I'm going to go get this job. Yeah. Like I've got what it takes. I can do whatever. Yeah. yeah I'm going to get this job. So it was a small thing in that like it was not like a miracle I was asking for. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's in this morning as we asked in the sermon was, you know, are there moments in our lives where or in the last week or the last month where something favorable happened mm-hmm. to us and we went, oh, I'm that's because I'm really creative mm-hmm. or I'm really persistent or I'm really talented. And yet and yet the posture I think we should have as Christians is kind of what into what you what you're saying here is that, man, it's that it's a God was gracious. It's mm-hmm. that God was generous. It's that God was leading. And as you've seen now years down the road. Yeah. So what year was that when you guys first came to Ames? That was, uh, I came in 2011. We got married at the beginning of 2012. That's when both of us started living in Ames. So okay. yeah, it's been almost 10 years. Yeah. And so God is now, I mean, led you to a, a church, mm-hmm. led you to friends, mm-hmm. led, a puppet team, a, a puppet team, <laughs> led you into ministry, children's yeah. ministry, student ministry for years and years. And then now on staff here yeah. at church. And so, so that, that's so neat for you to hear of you in that moment, that season, just thinking of, well, this job, this move is just a very mundane thing. It's what people do. Yeah. And I'm talented and I've got experience and I've Mm -hmm. got the resume. And yet coming back to it later going, oh, God was really generous. Yes. God was really faithful. His idea was so much better than mine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I remember I told a story here in uh, the sermon this morning and it was a part of my Friday email. There's an older gentleman at my church when I was in high school. He had a son and I played baseball and he prayed for the most mundane things. And I I remember the first time that I did that in my life because of his example, my dad and I were changing a belt on our lawnmower. So Mm -hmm. the the, the actual the blade uh, drive belt we had to change. It, It snapped while we were cutting grass. And so and of course, we didn't save the manual because who needs a manual? <laughs> and we were out there. We got the belt. We got the right belt because, you know, now we had to go to the John Deere dealer. We had to mm-hmm. get the right belt. And and we're not going to take it in for service because right. we can fix it. Um, <laughs> we have the tools. We, we have the talent. We have, well, that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, generous. Um, <laughs> we had an overinflated sense of self-ability uh, there. I can identify with that. And so an hour, you know, 90 minutes later, my dad and I have not been able to figure out how to put this belt on. And it was it was this gentleman's example to me in my life of, well, we pray for things, right? And, and when we're, when, when we trust God with insignificant things. And this felt like a very insignificant thing. And I was a senior in high school at this time. And I remember praying, God, would you, would you just help me get this on? Like I got so frustrated and I couldn't get it. And, and I took a moment, prayed. Now you could say, well, I took, I took a breather. Mm-hmm. I got clarity. I took a lap, you know, you do all these things. And yet the very next time, the very next try to get that belt on after I prayed, it was like crystal clear how the belt was supposed to go on. <laughs> And I remember in that moment going, oh, it works. <laughs> Prayer works. Yes. God does care about these things. <laughs> and so um, so I, I love it. Like you said, even in your story, whether it's I might have been, I might have been blind uh, or, or just missed even this big, big stage of life, mm-hmm. the significance of God's hand. And then it, it, he, God in his mercy revealed it to me later. Yes. Or... There are just these insignificant things. God, I'm rushing out of the house. I need my keys. Where are my keys? And then you find your keys. And was it was it the breather and the moment the moment of clarity? I'm mm-hmm. using quotation marks here, clarity, mm-hmm. or is it that God actually led you? You know. And I think as Christians, we need to be we need to be sovereignly reminded that God loves us and He is intervening in our life in the big things and the small things. And we need to we need to cultivate a, a heart for obedience and a heart for looking for Him in the in the small things. Yeah. Um, 
how did that help you? I think one of the things that we talked about this morning was that as we trust God with the little things, mm-hmm. it cultivates in us a courageous belief yeah. for the big things. Mm-hmm. How has that helped you as you've oh, seen man. God move in the little ways? How has that helped you be courageous in your belief for the big things? Oh, man. Um, yeah. I mean, those of you who know me, they know that I'm, I'm a cancer survivor. I've mm-hmm. been dealing with that uh, yeah. almost as, well, a little longer than I've been married. I started when I was in Korea. And uh, there's, there's all these bumps along the road. Yeah. Uh, of that uh, medication problems or, or lab results or whatever, and it's up and down. And, and there, there are times when my faith is in those, those every three-month appointments that it's going to go the way I expect it to go, yeah. that the numbers are going to be what I expect them to be. And sometimes they're not. And, yeah. uh, um, and sometimes they're better than I expect. And, some, and yeah. anyway, I just, it's, I, if, I, if I'm tracking my life by how those numbers are doing, I'm going to go crazy because mm. I don't know whether to be happy or not. Yeah. So it's it's trusting that no matter what these numbers are, God is going to be faithful to me and faithful to my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter what happens to me, God is going to be faithful to my family yeah. and my church and everybody yeah. who cares about me. And um, and it, yeah, it, it kind of embiggens the picture. Mm-hmm. Like I know I, I I don't know for sure that this particular test is going to go the way I want it to, but I know that the whole story is going to go in the best way possible. Yeah, and it makes it so much. Uh, I don't want to say easier, but just less embittering to mm. to go through those hard times. That's a really good phrase there. That it 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 it, re, it helps you resist bitterness. Yes. Yeah, that's so good. I think, and you're so right. When it when we when we look for God in those small things, and I've never walked through something as large mm-hmm. as what you are walking through, but when we when we go through those hard things. It protects our heart from bitterness and allows us to see the favor of God, mm-hmm. even in the midst of trial and yeah. trouble. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Andy, that's so powerful, man. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, we've got a couple of questions that came in this yeah. morning, and um, and so there's a really good question. I, I like this. I, I mentioned Job in the in the sermon today because part of it is uh, we can often get distracted in the Book of Acts of all these miracles that are going yes. on, and we can go, "Why doesn't God do that anymore?" Mm-hmm. And the reality is, well, God is doing that, yes, absolutely. And God's intervention in our life is a miracle at any level, mm-hmm. right? The fact that the sovereign God of the universe didn't just zap us when we rebelled against <laughs> Him, but instead He intervened and made the first move, yeah, it is is a is a just a a beautiful miracle of grace that I think we should all take a moment and and bathe in. And I reference Job because Job is going through this deep season of trial and affliction. And Job's a righteous man. It says in Job chapter one, he's a righteous man, fears God. Um, doesn't he has some honest and frank moments with God? Yeah. Um, and he's got some bad friends along the way. <laughs> they give him really bad advice. Yeah. But then he has one really good friend, Eli, Elihu is his name, and he keeps pointing him back to the sovereignty of God, to the goodness of God, to the love of God, and and encouraging Job to focus on those things. And so the question comes in this way. Uh, It says, uh, how do I help a friend who is doubting? Is there a way for me to be the kind of friend that is Elihu-esque? That's a really good question. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think the first thing is, you know, doubt can often feel like the enemy of faith, but it doesn't have to be. It's not. It's not, right? And so, um, yeah, Andy, as you've experienced doubt or wrestling in your life, what have been some good practices, you know, that maybe you've cultivated or some people that have come alongside of you that help you through? Because I think we all go through periods of doubt. The, the new word for it is, uh, 
you know, deconstruction. <laughs> and so whether we we're doubting or we're struggling or wrestling or we're deconstructing where we're maybe, maybe frankly, removing some bad teaching from our life yeah. that we were holding on to, and it mm-hmm. wasn't good teaching. It wasn't gospel centered and it does need deconstructed. Yep. Um, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. So right. yeah, just as you think about that, who were, what were some Ellie who type people mm. in your life and what did they do? Oh, I've had some, some terrific Ellie who people in my life. Uh, who kind of corrected what my faith was was in? Yeah, um, you talked about the ancients being God centered and people, us today being man centered. And it's yeah. like, which way are you leaning? What do you assume is true? Yeah, um, I had a friend named Ariana, who was a missionary in Korea from the Netherlands and mm-hmm. had been a missionary for a long, 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 long time to to orphans and handicapped in Korea. Yeah, and when I went into the hospital when I first got diagnosed with cancer, um, she was there with me. And she was consistently telling me that this was not the end of the story, that God is doing something. Yeah. And and she had this wonderful Dutch grandmotherly way. I've never had a Dutch grandmother. But she had this wonderful... <laughs> Neither have I. This wonderful, heavily accented grandmotherly way of almost scolding me uh-huh. for doubting, but not quite. Yeah. But the way she said it would just kind of put me in this... Uh, make me aware of, wow, you know, I really do sound s- silly. Yeah. And what I learned from her... And from that situation is that doubt is a canvas for faith. It's not mm, the opposite of faith. Yeah. You start with doubt. Yeah. And it's almost like, I mean, you don't start with doubt. Well, you do start with doubt. It's, yeah. it's almost like God is raising the odds that, that this is not going to work out. Like, yeah. let me show you how hard I can make it. Yeah. And then, and then it happens. And, mm. and the more th- that doubt, the more that you're in touch with that doubt and you see how hard this is going to be, the bigger the, 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 when God comes through, the bigger yeah. that is. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I love that. And I think you're right. Doubt it. Doubt is this canvas for faith. And, and it's why God wants to prove his glory. Mm-hmm. It's why God wanted to sh- demonstrate to Job his glory and his significance is why he says, well, I'm going to ask you some questions, bub, and you're going to answer them. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Kyle translation. Uh, and you know, did you stretch a measuring line across the foundations of the earth? Uh, no. <laughs> That's not in there. But can I'm you pretty sure that's can you can you imagine Job? I just imagine Job slack jawed, mm-hmm. kind of like ah, I'm supposed to answer. Mm-hmm. But but you're right. I think it is this canvas for faith, and and as, as Job gets this reorientation to God's glory, and, and God's significance, and God's sovereignty, it all of a sudden the the canvas becomes much more. Uh, the the picture fills in with God's ability, yes. right? And. Um, and I think, would you say it's fair that in her, in your friend's Dutch grandmotherly ability to maybe, <laughs> as she knew you and your personality yes. to, to deliver some news, but she, did you ever, you, did you ever doubt her love or care for you as oh, a friend? Oh, goodness, no. Yeah. And yeah. No one who knew Ariana would ever doubt that she loved and cared for them. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's an important part of, of Elihu, mm-hmm. right? Is that he sits with Job in his suffering. Yep. He doesn't just scold him and run away. Mm-hmm. So he's he's relationally present to Job, and and he continues to remind Job of of orthodox Christian truth, mm. right? Of foundational re, foundational theological beliefs about who God is. Yes. And so I think like in your story, if we want to be Elihu mm-hmm. to somebody, we've got to be relationally present to them. Mm-hmm. We've got to be willing to hear them out, right? Not just say, "Let me stop you halfway through." <laughs> You're sounding a little whiny yeah. or that, you know, that doesn't make sense, but really talk it out with them. Mm-hmm. And so being present to them, um, but also allowing that the, the relational stick to to go, your, your doubts, 
your doubts are not going to drive me away as a friend. And let me in that, let me model for you the love of God because your doubts will not drive God away yeah. as your friend. Yeah, I think you want people to know that they can come to you with that and be real about that. And yeah. then you get the chance to speak into it other rather than just like, I know this is going to offend you because you believe in God, so I'm going to shut down and yeah. take this to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how can we yeah, how can we be present to them in that mm-hmm. in that manner? And I, and I think I think also, you know, as, as you said just letting letting them wrestle with the with those doubts and a game that that I like to play in when I'm when I'm talking with a, a student or um, even even one of my kids when they're scared of something or when they're wrestling with doubt and just go, well, it's the what if game, mm-hmm. right? Let's draw this out to its mm-hmm. most logical conclusion, right? So like sometimes my kids are scared in the night because they're kids. And, um, and I just say, you know, so let's say my daughter is scared that somebody's going to come in our house. Well, what if? Mm-hmm. Let's play the what if game. And we draw it out or whatever it be. And it's usually nothing that serious. Yeah, um, that would be a tough one. That would be a, that's a tough one. But you go, well, but we have the doors are locked. And mm-hmm. mom and dad, our room is in front of your room. And, you know, you know I sleep light because I hear you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would hear somebody and we believe that God protects us. And so you, you begin to play the what if. But often it's it's not quite as big as those. But I think even with our doubts and our wrestlings, well, well what if? Mm-hmm. Right, and Paul does that in First Corinthians fourteen. He says, "Well, what if the resurrection isn't true? Mm-hmm. Well, then there's nothing, right? <laughs> you know, but what if the resurrection is true? Yeah. There's something so much better. Mm-hmm. And so I think even in our doubts, we can say, "Well, what if this or what if that?" Both positively and negatively, and just being able to spitball that back and forth with somebody who's patient and kind, and can point you back to the to the orthodox confessions of our faith, the rooted truth of who Jesus is, is helpful. So yeah, in every what if God is still God. Yeah. Yeah. He's still God. That's so good. That's so good. Well, we've got one other question here and uh, it's a big one. Um, but yeah. the, the, the question is this, uh, is this country's status quo too big or too small for God to care? And, and so that's a big question. It's a big question. I think if I can, if I can guess at the kind of the heart of the question is that, and there's a lot that's going on in our country. Yeah. It's a pretty turbulent time, and sometimes as Christians, we can we are becoming more and more presently aware that this world is not our home. Yeah, and so does God care about the things even when it feels like they are out of control? Like He's not fixing them. Yeah, mm. and I often when I as I was chewing on this question, the Book of Judges comes back to my mind. Judges chapter twenty one twenty five says there was. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. There was no king in Israel. And it was this period of rampant rebellion. And yet bookmarked through the book of Judges, God intervenes. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, so I I wonder, you know, is God dismissed or disconnected from us as a country? Mm. I don't think so. Mm -mm. Um, But God also gives us a sense of uh, autonomy to make our own choices and to make our own bed. Yeah. And what we've seen, the pattern of the scriptures is that he also allows us to live out some of the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Andy, you said it at the beginning of for children's ministry, you think a lot about the gospel and yeah. how Jesus literally presents a more livable future mm-hmm. and a better life. Um, you know, how do you guys help kids see that truth uh, day in and day out? Mm. <laughs> uh, well, we have... Uh, we have some sort of foundational truths that we bring kids back to all the time. Yeah. It's like, God loves me. 
mm-hmm. and God loves everybody around me. Yeah. God wants to love them through me. Yeah. Um, and that I am important to God. Yeah. And so if I'm important, then the things that matter to me are important to God. I mean, even, you know, in, in, uh, and in, in the books of Kings, you see God cares about an axe blade that falls in a lake. I mean, God cares about the <laughs> things that matter to the people yeah. that he loves, even if it's kind of dumb. I've prayed about dumb stuff. Yeah. But God has never once said, what a stupid thing to pray about, Andy. Don't give me that. Give me something better. Um, God cares about what we care about. That doesn't mean that he's always going to do things the way I want him to. Yeah. Um, but he definitely cares. Yeah. So, yeah, just letting kids know that, yes, you are important to God. What you are afraid of is important to God. What what bothers you, what makes you mad is important to God. Yeah. But not because you're mad and so God's going to fix it, but God wants to get into your heart and deal with that. Yeah. And 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 that fear or that anger or that doubt or whatever it is, that God cares about your heart in that, not mm. the thing that's that's making it evident. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think, I think as we think about this question, cause we're talking about larger systems mm-hmm. and things that feel very much out of our control. Yeah. And yet the storyline in the scriptures again, 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 is just what you said. God cares about your heart. He cares mm-hmm. about the bigger picture mm-hmm. and, and God's, God's purposes will not be thwarted, right? right. Jesus is coming back. <laughs> There's no King or kingdom that will be sufficient except for the one that Jesus ushers in, in the second coming. And so we live in that reality but as we are experiencing in our world this tension that reminds us as Christians, this is not our home. Mm-hmm. We are foreigners in a foreign land. We are traveling through. Um, I think. I think for us, just as you said, we should. We we need to be one. I think just active. We have the right to vote. We have the right to be involved in public policy and those kind of things. So let's do that. Let's exercise our voice because we have been yeah. given those rights, and that's a blessing. But as we do that. Let's let God shape our heart so that we're able to demonstrate that this life with Jesus is a much more livable future. Much more livable future. Right? And it's a, it leads to human flourishing instead of, instead of uh, human, human uh, I mean, honestly, it leads to, to death, you know, and it leads to, to pain and to suffering on the other side of it. Rebellion leads to, to pain and suffering. And so I think as Jesus followers, how are we showing that Jesus does present a much more livable future, a future where, where humans flourish, holding intention. That is Paul told Timothy, uh, it's not getting better. Yeah. It's only getting worse. So, so we have to hold intention that this life is not what we're hoped for mm-hmm. and that, and that God does care and God does intervene. So we, how do we look for that and see that so that we can, so we can courageously and boldly continue to speak God's truth in the public square in a way that presents Jesus as the most, as the one who presents us or gives us the most livable, flourishing future. That's a, that's a, that's hard. Um, and it's hard to often see change on the macro. Um, and so I think we also need to focus on that on our own lives. Yeah. You that's know? where God is. God's all about the people and the yeah. individual and, and, and not the, the whole world. Yeah. You know, he, he loves the world. Yeah. But he loves the world by loving individual people. Yeah. 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 Salvation is for all. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and, and so he loves all people in all places, but again, it's just how that relationally interacts and how his glory is demonstrated relationally, um, or how we come to see a better picture of it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Andy, thanks for joining me today here. We got some really good questions on the podcast and just talking about how God loves us and how he wants to intervene in our lives. So, well, thanks for joining us here today. We will be back next Sunday 
as we talk about Peter, who has a vision about bacon cheeseburgers yes, from I heaven. Yes, I love this part. This I part think, makes me hungry. I think it's bacon cheeseburgers from heaven. I don't know if you come back next week to see if I'm right or not. <laughs>